You may not believe me, but it finally happened. WWE produced an actually good pay-per-view. And if not, two matches. This pay-per-view, quite honestly, could have been the best from WWE in 2020. But unfortunately, they couldn't help themselves. But let's talk about positives first. Let's talk about the show in general. At first, we had on the pre-show, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, and King Corbin lose to Big E, Daniel Bryan, Chad Gable, and Otis. In a very fun match that went for about 10 minutes with a nice exchange of heels working over Babyface and Sami Zayn constantly taunting Big E, but once he was in the ring with him trying to escape it, Daniel Bryan and Cesaro had a beautiful exchange. Otis and Chad Gable did their shtick because, you know, they have some sort of a storyline going, I guess. And it was fine as well. Otis hit his caterpillar, but then immediately tagged out to Chad Gable, who was begging for a tag on the outside. But before Chad could have done anything, Cesaro escaped and gave a tag to Sami Zayn, who tried to find an opportunity to win the match, but Chad Gable was too agile for him and gave a tag to Big E, who tried to end the match quickly with a big ending, but Sami Zayn escaped, trying to go for a halluva kick, but missed as well, and then Big E won a match after a big ending. As I said, a fun little exchange between Hills and Babyface, furthering down the storyline between Big E and Sami Zayn, beautiful stuff, and down the line, in this pay-per-view, we found out that Sami Zayn will defend his title against Big E on the next SmackDown edition. Good stuff. The only criticism that I can have is that you could have put this match between Big E and Sami Zayn for the title on TLC. But I understand. Ratings, you need to draw somewhat of a big draw on SmackDown apart from Roman Reigns. So you're gonna book this match on SmackDown night. And I understand this. The only thing, as I said, you could have done it faster, but I don't mind it. After this, we had surprisingly a match for the WWE Championship between Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles. And at first, this match didn't click with me at all because it started off relatively slow and, may I say, boring. But once they found their face, it was great. AJ going for tables, working on the lack of Drew McIntyre, constantly putting him through a lot of pain with the chair shots, and even putting Drew McIntyre's leg in a cough crusher through the ladder. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. But then, at the 20th minute of the match, after AJ was put through a table, Miss came out with a briefcase and John Morrison and cashed it in, and... I immediately thought, oh my god, the reports were correct, that appeared an hour before the pay-per-view even started. WWE Creative actually found an opportunity to put Miss into this match, and he cashed in. Please, for the love of god, don't make him win. But surprisingly, I will tell you this. This idea of giving a Money in the Bank briefcase to Miss was a bad idea. Everybody knows this, everybody agrees with this. But I think this was the only good use of Miz as a brief holder. Because, yes, he didn't do 
a lot off, you know? He didn't do anything of good with his briefcase, but this addition of Miss into this equation of AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre without a doubt increased the unpredictability of the finish. It was definitely a right move because two times I thought, oh Jesus Christ, Miss is winning. Without a doubt, he's winning, there's no one to save him, but both times someone would appear and stop the Miss. And it was a blessing in the sky because at the end, Drew McIntyre won and retained the title. Great stuff. As I said, at first started off a little too slow, but once it picked up the pace, nothing could stop this match. Brilliant stuff. Miss lost the briefcase. Nobody's really upset. The only thing I'm upset about is because 2020 Money in the Bank is one of the worst of all times. Let's be honest. Asuka didn't cash in. She was given the title and stripped of the money in the bag. And now she's holding for the title for God knows how long and doing absolutely nothing with it. Same goes for Otis. He was a straight up bad person to win the briefcase because you didn't do anything with him. And nobody from a fans believe you're going to do anything with him. Nobody believe he's going to be able to pick up the victory against The Fiend, against Drew McIntyre or against... Roman Reigns, it was a bad choice. And then Miss wanted. Nobody really liked this as well. But at least everybody thought he was going to give the brief game some sort of legitimacy. But instead, he was doing the Scottish accent and some other goofy shit. And once again, it damaged the money in the bank. But overall, thankfully, they used Miss as a loser that he is. And thank God. They did it because it definitely increased the un unpredictability of this match. And in all honesty, make this match feel much better than it was already. So good stuff. After this, we had a match between Sasha Banks and Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And surprisingly, again, very good match. I'm not too high on Carmella as a performer inside the ring. But this match without a doubt showed, at least to me, that she increased her skills, her abilities as a wrestler in the months of absence, and it's always nice to see. Some of the moves that she did were actually brutal, like a Hurricane Rana into the X-Factor, or some of the submission maneuvers that she put Sasha Banks into were just brutally looking. And of course, Sasha Banks was just beautiful inside the ring. She is... Probably one of, if not the best women's wrestler in WWE main roster, if not whole roster. There is no denying about that. And this match could have been even better if not the addition of Similier, who constantly, or at least twice, uh, helped out Carmella. Twice it should have been a DQ, according to WWE rules, but never once it was. But in the end... I don't think the addition of Similar really hurt the match, it made it more illogical, but overall didn't harm the in-ring product. And obviously Sasha Banks won, the right person won, because Sasha Banks is on a roll and she should hold on to this title at least until WrestleMania. The only concern that I have is, what are you gonna do now with Carmella? Jojo lost twice to Sasha Banks, so going for her title once again, is not really an option, is it? Uh, waiting for Royal Rumble and competing in it probably seems like the most legitimate use of her, but 
otherwise. Feud with Bailey, maybe, but you should lose. Feud with Bianca Belair, maybe, but she just lost to Bailey. And if you're gonna fit her Carmella, it would make Bianca feel more capable, but it will only harm Carmella. So you're in a very precarious position because I truly don't know what you're gonna do now with Carmella, and it's gonna be really interesting to see what they're gonna finally do with her, or will they just forget about her once again for a couple of months, use her from time to time here and there, but mostly do absolutely nothing with her. After this, we had a Hurt Business versus The New Day for the Raw Tag Team titles, and oh boy, did this match rude. Yes, it did. It was real fun once again. You cannot go wrong with Hurt Business versus The New Day. Fast-paced action with some beautiful moments like Shelton Benjamin stepping up while Kofi Kingston was going for a boom drop literally at the last second while Kofi was just jumping. He stood up from out of nowhere and powerbombed the living shit out of Kofi Kingston. And this match, as I said, absolutely rude. The little seeds were planted a while ago that Cedric Alexander is a little bit egoistical. He's a little bit too much of himself, doesn't really care about the team as much as he should, and he's ego-driven. He feels the rush, and hopefully we all said it's not going to lead to the destruction of the herd business, and it didn't because... When Shelton Benjamin performed this incredible move, he was totally in control. Xavier Woods did absolutely nothing in this match, was mostly beat up by the Hurt Business. And Shelton Benjamin had the match won. He was going for his finisher, but Cedric Alexander decided to attack himself in and perform his beautiful finisher on Kofi to pick up a victory. And Hurt Business are your new Raw Tag Team Champions in a beautiful match. And he went and celebrated alone. And Sheldon Benjamin was a little bit pissed off. Obviously. But hey, we won the titles. So he came out to Cedric with MVP and Bobby Lashley. And they celebrated together with all gold that they have. Beautiful visual. You know, I said a couple of weeks before that they can easily have a gold mine here in this rivalry it could be the next Uso versus the New Day and I think it is already in a way they're showing quality matches every time they book against each other but the only complaint that I have is the one that I said a couple of weeks ago just don't ruin it you have a gold mine just don't fucking ruin it don't book illogical segments don't book overbook the matches between them and unfortunately they did it but thankfully even the illogical mess that happened prior to this match didn't harm the in-ring product it was beautiful the right team won and there's so much things her business can do now 2020 without a doubt the best year of possibly mvp's career and and the new renaissance of his career, without a doubt. Renaissance for a lot of those guys. Bobby Lashley, Sheldon Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander have the new youth. They are the champs now. And only God knows, and Vince McMahon, I would assume, what's going to happen with them next. But her business winning is, without a doubt, a right call. Wow, we're talking so much about positivity and good stuff. I think it's time to ruin it.
because now we're going to talk about one of two worst matches of the show. Asuka and a mystery partner against Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And oh boy, did this match suck. Because first of all, the mystery partner is obviously Charlotte Flair. The one thing that everybody predicted even in their sleep. And ho, oh, Charlotte Flair is now pure babyface. And throughout this match, they pushed the agenda of Nia Jax versus Charlotte Flair being the most important feud that anybody wants to see. Even though it's not the case by a fucking mile. The second worst thing of the show was that Ric Flair was constantly show backstage looking how good her his daughter is fighting with the soul of a pure babyface. If... Ric Flair will appear on next Monday Night Raw. I swear this is the lamest attempt to get any viewership from a legend. Like, he appeared from nowhere for no reason and he will do the same on Monday Night Raw. Enjoy it. Like, there is no need to do this at all. Everybody knows that Charlotte Flair is capable of being on her own without her father. Why the hell are you showing Ric Flair? But you know what? This was not the worst thing about this match because the worst thing in my opinion was the fact that Asuka, may I remind you, your Raw Women's Champion was worked over by Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for the majority of the match, giving hot text to returning Charlotte Flair so she could have a moment and then taking out to Asuka so she could get worked again by Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Why the fuck? Oh no, I, I know why the fuck you're doing this. You don't see anything special in Asuka. You see only special in Charlotte Flair. And I get it. But why the fuck did you give her the title? She's doing now absolutely nothing with this. She was doing the illogical stuff with Lana. And oh, don't even start it with Lana. Don't even get me started with this bullshit. Because why the fuck did we have three months of this illogical mess calling hey let's put Lana through a table it's so fun and it will lead to absolutely nothing you know what I heard the one thing on uh, one dirt shit so take it with a pinch of salt but if it was just to make Lana go through a lot of tables because Miro debut on AEW it actually makes sense you demolish her character and once she had an opportunity to get a revenge and get the titles, she was stripped of the opportunity. She will be out for a month, it seems like. And she, when she will come back, she will not give a heel turn to himself. She will not do anything of notice. She will be a spineless character who would be happy for Asuka and Charlotte Flair. And oh, oh my god, I don't want to even think about this bullshit. As you guessed it, Charlotte and Asuka won after one of the worst fucking hot tags I've ever seen in my life. Shayna Baszler yanked Charlotte Flair off the apron when Asuka was trying to give a hot tag to her. But Charlotte just beat the living shit of Shayna, tag herself in anyway, and beat Nia Jax. No, not Nia Jax, because Nia Jax was fighting against Charlotte. She gave a tag to Shayna Baszler. They had an exchange of submissions, and I thought, if you're gonna make... Shayna tap out to Charlotte, I will legit quit the show. Thankfully they didn't, but Charlotte did her finisher and pinned Shayna Baszler for 1-3. Without a doubt, one of the worst, if probably the worst thing on the show, I fucking hated it. Let's go 
to the semi-main event, the best thing on the show, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens for the Universal title. Now that was an absolute masterpiece in a way that it was a total war. War of bodies because everybody went through a table, everyone got hit with a chair, but most importantly there was a war of minds, there was a mental breakdown of Kevin Owens because every time he would either climb up the ladder and get his hands on the title, either Roman, either Jimmy Uso would appear, even without a lag, and try to stop Kevin Owens. Every time he was put through a table, every time he was hit with a chair, it looked like that's it, he will no longer will be able to compete, but every time he stood up, and every time he fought it until the end, and this match was brutal. So many chairs were broken, so many tables were broken, so much stuff happened. This is the only match that I would recommend you to go out of your way and watch because it was superb. It was brutal with chair shots being landed on Kevin Owens constantly by Roman Reigns with Kevin Owens permanizing Jimmy Uso's leg and doesn't matter how many times he would stop him, he would stand up and try to help his big brother. And of course, Roman Reigns was just incredible. And even winning the match after choking up on top of the ladder in the guillotine Kevin Owens. And then just slowly getting his hands on the title and picking it up for himself. It was superb. Best match of the night. One of the best TLC matches we had in a while. No crazy spots, no jumping of a ladder, no jumping from the ladder to the table that was landing on the outside. It was just brutal force of Roman Reigns and the unstoppable, unkillable will of Kevin Owens. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. But now it's time to talk about the most controversial thing on the show because one portion of the people saying they claiming this is the masterpiece, this was the best thing on the show, another saying that it's a total piece of shit that didn't deserve its spot on the show. I would love to be somewhere in between, but in all honesty, I didn't like this match at all. Fiend versus Randy Orton was a cinematic match, kinda. Firefly Funhouse Inferno match, and for the first, like, I don't know, five minutes, three minutes of the match, I was asking myself, am I fucking dumb? Or where the fuck is the fire? And only like three minutes later, when Thien did the cane movement of his hands, and the fire appeared along the ringside, I was like, oh, here, here it is, yeah. Cool, cool. What are the rules? Because there was no gong, because nothing really fucking happened, nobody explained us the rules. In normal Inferno match, you need to ying your opponent out of the ring, and he will get caught on fire. Here, there was no fire along the ringside, it was where the fans should sit, you know, arena side, and uh, yeah, it didn't make any sense, first of all. Then, overall, it was like a 10 to 12 minute match. I swear to fucking god, it felt like it was 20 minutes long, it was so methodical, it was so slow and boring. Typical, old-school Randy Orton match. 
and somehow, even though it was cinematic, somehow, even though they tried to use some cool cinematic shots like pouring gasoline on chair and having a line of gasoline so you would set it on fire, somehow, they made it look lame. I don't know, they have some specific sort of skill to make things that should be captivating and incredible to watch on the big screen look like a fucking joke. <sighs> there was, in all honesty, one incredible visual that I absolutely adore. Finn was on fire. Literally, Randy Orton put him in the flamethrower. Finn caught some fire and props to Bray Wyatt for going with the flames on his back inside the ring and taking an RKO. And then there was a cut, no fire on the back, and it seems like Randy Orton have won. But there is no gong, nothing is happening, nobody fucking explain what rules are, so we don't know. And Randy Orton hears the voices in his head, and he goes for gasoline, and he uh, basically burns the mannequin that's supposed to be the fiend. And... I heard people losing their shit saying it's the best fucking angle, it's the best looking thing I've ever seen in my life, and I think it's myself. First of all, it looked like shit because it was clear to see there was no Bray Wyatt inside there, it was like a mannequin. Second of all, what are the rules, how should we even react to this because two weeks ago or months ago, Braun Strowman and before that Nia Jax were suspended just by touching the managers, you know, their, the, the, the authority figures, and now we're basically killing the unstoppable force, and nobody gives a shit. I don't know, I didn't like this match at all. It was slow, it was lame, it was goofy in a bad way, and I can be an advocate for some goofiness in wrestling, but even this was just over-the-top stupidity for me. At the end, I don't know what they're gonna do with uh, Fiend down the line. They might kill off the character, but they won't because it's too much money. They're probably not gonna use him for a little bit, so he will come back at maybe WrestleMania time, but... It feels like the proper end to the Fiend as we know him. He was constantly ruined by WWE Creative. At first Hell in a Cell, then the Saudi show, and every time Bray tried to pick itself up, pick this character up with some cool stuff like winning the title or Firefly Funhouse match on WrestleMania against John Cena, but every time it was less and less captivating, it was less and less interesting, and now, in all honesty, it's a shame to, for me to admit it, but I couldn't give less crap about The Fiend. I don't know how WWE did this, but I just don't care about him anymore. And it's such a shame because he is a great character who was at one point the most hyped thing in all professional wrestling, even being more over than AEW in general, but WWE fucked it up and now I couldn't give less fuck about him. And it's such a shame that we're gonna end the show with this, because overall, as I said, if not those two matches, the women tag match and this, it would have been a superb show, or at least above average, like, for the sky above average. It would be one of the best, if not the best, show of 2020 in WWE. Hell, maybe competing with some AEW shows, but at the end, it was a very 
quality show, a good show, but those two matches, those two illogical pieces of shits, just made me less invested. Thankfully, it was still a very good show that I truly enjoyed. Not the best in 2020, even in WWE, but hey, at least there is some progress. Will we see next weeks of Raw being better? Hope so, but I'm not holding my breath. Anyway, they go into the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania season, so you can expect the increase of viewers anyway, and you can expect a lot of bullshit appearing on next episodes of Raw and SmackDown. There is no fucking doubt about this. But thank you guys for listening, and as always, I'll hear you soon.